Welcome to Turn One, a Formula One podcast. and Jeremiah. Okay, so we're going to try something a little bit different this time. This is the first ever Turn One, a Formula One podcast race preview. Thomas, what you think? So this week we are going into Austria. And one of the reasons we wanted to do a race preview this weekend was one, we just want to test out the format. But two, I think we both love Austria a lot. It is a short uh, track, one of the shortest, if not the shortest on the F1 calendar. I think it's the fourth shortest on the actual calendar. They run it super fast. They run a ton of laps. It's one of Max Verstappen's three home Grand Prix. The reason I love it, though, is that orange smoke. That seems like the coolest place to be for a Formula One race is when that thing kicks off and the entire track is blanketed in the Dutch orange smoke. Yeah, and they got it over the speakers just Max, 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 Super Max, Max, Super, Super Max. We wanted to start off by going back a little bit, just looking at kind of how the Austrian Grand Prix has been run, see where the strengths and weaknesses are on some of the teams. We'll get into the structure of this weekend because this is much different. Uh, I think especially this year, it's got a sprint race involved, but they've also changed the sprint format. So we'll talk about that. And then, of course, we'll get into some predictions, some rumblings from the paddock going into the, uh, the race weekend that we've been able to compile. So looking back in time, Jeremiah, do you remember who won last year? Ferrari took it, no? Ferrari took it. It was Mr. Charles Leclerc. Yeah. He, uh, this was at a point last year where I think people thought Ferrari was still, uh, they were still in the race. Like they, they were, there was no question about it. They were still, they were still in the fight for the title and the constructors. Um, I think this was a comeback race for Charles. Remember, he won like the first three races of the year, then kind of petered off and then came back really strong in the middle. So it was a good race for Charles. That being said, Max has had three victories, I believe, at this track, and Mercedes for a long time dominated Austria, but not the Mercedes that you might be thinking of. Now, Lewis Hamilton didn't have the greatest of luck around Austria. It seemed like even when he was teamed up with Valtteri Bottas, and we kind of talked about this a little bit before we started filming, but Valtteri was honestly better at Austria than Lewis Hamilton. It felt like Lewis couldn't really get, for whatever reason, I'm not sure entirely, but for whatever reason, he couldn't get the car to go around this track the same way that everybody else could. Yeah, so Valtteri's won it twice. Lewis has one win and Nico Rosberg from Mercedes has two wins. And uh, just looking back at the standings, Max does have three victories. So we'll get to it. It's we're going to go ahead and predict Max is probably going to win this thing, but who knows? (laughs) We'll we'll find out. What's the structure like for this weekend and why might it be a little bit different? 
I mean, it is a sprint re- weekend, so we know that much. So it's going to start off. It's going to go practice session and then qualifying. That's going to be your Friday. So we're going into the sprint race for Saturday morning. Then it, I believe another practice session, or is it practice then sprint race? It's practice, quali, sprint shootout. That's the change for oh, this that's year. Right. And then the sprint. There's only one practice. So I guess that's what's going to kind of make this track so interesting. I mean, if, if you think about it in comparison to the other tracks, we're not really going to have a lot of information in either of the drivers or the teams. I mean, obviously last year's stuff, but it's a completely different car. People are running new setups. Teams like Aston Martin, who have a completely, completely different car, are going to have to basically learn how this car goes around this track in one practice session and set it up completely for the race. And- and we'll get to this too, but Ferrari and McLaren have rolled out major upgrade packages that they're not really going to get to test in nope. Austria. So you have the one practice session, which will get you a tiny bit of data, but then your car is essentially locked in four hours later for qualifying. I guess we can use this time to talk about this. I am not a huge fan of the sprints. I will say I liked it more when the sprints determined the qualifying order for the race. At least that somewhat involved the sprint in the overall weekend. But now that there is the sprint shootout, which is essentially just qualifying for the sprint race, and then other qualifying for the actual race, and the sprint race is totally removed, I don't know I don't know why they're doing it. It it doesn't really bring in more fans. It can't. No, it's almost like it's some kind of like correction for the for the better drivers so that if they have a bad qualifying, they can get themselves back into fighting position, which is kind of lame. I personally, for that reason, I never like sprint race weekends in general. I kind of feel like you should get the time to know the car, get the time to know the car, and then it's qualifying and then let's race. I, I don't I don't understand the whole layout. I don't need to understand the need for what is it? A hundred meters? No, not meters. Yeah. Or is it kilometers? The race for the sprint races is so short. Obviously, it's it's not. I'm sorry, it's not that, meters. The, that that is the perfect definition right there of a true American. <laughs> what I'm is this so race? Sorry. What is this race? A hundred yards or a hundred miles? Yeah, a yeah, hundred meters. It's just it's going to be on an Olympic running track. It's gonna... one time a year we're going to have an F one drag race. <laughs> Oh, no. And the winner gets 25 points. Scientists have done stuff like that before. I've seen reports where they go out into massive open planes and then they just beef up the car to where it can go straight. That thing's haul. Yeah. Now, I will say the sprint race itself, yes, it's racing. It's exciting. Cool. Just I don't I don't understand it. Maybe somebody can explain that better to us. Why? Like so NASCAR introduced like the playoff uh, structure a couple years ago in the stage racing. And that was all to bring in more fans. That was because they were losing fans, though. Formula One is rapidly gaining fans. So I just don't we we don't have the knowledge to know why the masterminds over F1 are, are doing this. OK, let's get into some of the uh, the big changes the teams are rolling out. You've got some info, I believe, on Ferrari and McLaren, right? Yeah, not so much in terms of like actual knowledge on the exact rollout upgrades that they're going to be bringing, but I do know that Carlos Sainz and Charles Leclerc are pretty happy with, with the upgrades that Ferrari is going to be bringing. In fact, Charles going on the record saying that it steps in the right direction. So granted, if strategy holds out for Ferrari, maybe we see them kind of up there in that Aston Martin Mercedes fight, but more, I guess, more into the fight because we saw in the last race how they weren't getting much further away from them 
but it, they weren't in the fight. So hopefully if strategy prevails this time around for this track and with the upgrades they're bringing, it's going to be a more of a, more of a fight, but that's just Ferrari. So McLaren's also bringing massive upgrades for this race. More specifically, they said that they have this plan, right? That they're going to roll out a specific amount of upgrades throughout the entire season to kind of catch the pace of all the other front runners. Rightfully so, because their car, not so good. But apparently, according to this article that I was reading, is that McLaren for this weekend, supposedly this is going to be 50% of their race upgrades for the season. So it's a big upgrade plan. Hopefully it'll bring a lot of pace. But like you mentioned earlier, we're not going to get to see a lot of testing in this regard. So we're going to kind of see what happens on that. I haven't heard any news from Red Bull in terms of upgrade packages. I mean, I know that they're hindered in terms of wind tunnel time and stuff from penalties and from them winning the whole thing last year. So I don't really know too much from Red Bull. Maybe that's on purpose. Maybe they're purposely trying to kind of hide things to, so that the other teams don't really know what's going on. But Mercedes isn't hiding, and they're very vocal on the fact that they're also bringing upgrades to this race. So they're not going to slow down their process of slowly but surely climbing the pack to get back to Red Bull's pace. They're they're going to show that every single race they're going to bring more and more upgrades. It's a really good thing that Red Bull rolled out the beast of a car they did at the start of the season, and that it doesn't it hasn't needed any upgrades yet as they handily win every single race of the year. I'll add some detail to the the Ferrari McLaren thing. Everybody joked in Monaco when both the McCl sorry the Mercedes and the Red Bull were flying high atop the streets of Monaco right by the crane. And everybody said, oh, they're going to rip off their floor designs and all this and that. They are. Both Ferrari and McLaren are rolling out brand new floor designs. Is that what the upgrades are? Ferrari's also doing a wing package and <laughs> McLaren said that they are doing a side pod upgrade that is... I don't think they said this word for word, but the the rumor is that it's to mimic the Red Bull side pod design. So both Ferrari and McLaren get new floors. Funny how that's like three or four weeks after seeing the floors of right. two of the top teams and they're changing their side pods because clearly Mercedes switches their side pod design to match the Red Bull and it works. So I do have a point on this. I was watching a press conference where it was Christian Horner and not even necessarily Christian Horner. It was there also their technical director. It, it wasn't Nui. I can't remember who the representative was and maybe, I'm, I'm sure it was a technical director, but uh, it was kind of a conference where they had the technical technical director for McLaren, Red Bull and Mercedes all kind of sitting in front of a, you know, somebody interviewing them. And the questions were asked about the floorboards being seen in Monaco to which Red Bull responded, doesn't matter by the time that everybody else would be able to mimic our design and how how kind of specific it is i guess you could say by the time they would be able to roll out a package like that and get it out actually onto the car red bull has been up working on upgrades themselves so to that point that's kind of what i meant earlier when i said we don't we don't hear from red bull i feel like they are bringing upgrades we just don't see them i could see that and i also wonder We've asked, I think, a couple weeks in a row now, what are the odds that Red Bull wins the whole thing, right? Like like every single race, a Red Bull car wins it. And, you know, there's a chance that they could, but I've always had in the back of my head that there's going to be one weekend where either they bring a, a, an upgrade package and they just kind of, not tank qualifying, but maybe they just experiment more rather than actually drive to the, the car's fullest. Sure. And they don't qualify as high, right? Or a car DNS because an upgrade package doesn't work or a component doesn't work. 
that's going to be the same weekend that they take 20 grid place penalties for changing out components. And so again, just the odds of them winning every single race are, I think are slimmer than most people will think just because there's going to be one weekend where all the stars align and they change a thousand things about that car. And it's just going to be off one weekend. It's a fair point. It's possible. I'd like to see something like that happen to where we could kind of get a mix up in the podium. You want to see, you want to see Fernando and Lewis competing for a win. <laughs> I really want to see who would get it between those two. I, I genuinely, by the end of this season, one of those two better have if one, if not multiple wins. Okay. Before we get into um, predictions, uh, I've got two other background notes for you. One, it was reported today by ESPN, probably somebody before then, but I saw the ESPN post a couple hours ago. Sergio Perez is ill that's not going to have any bearing on him racing or not. We, I think we've seen these guys race in the worst conditions, but we have seen Sergio slipping in terms of qualifying performance. And if he doesn't, I'm not going to say he's getting booted off the team, but he's really making max kind of carry the team like the past three weekends. <laughs> so him being sick, I don't think is going to necessarily help his focus this weekend. No. And he's going to have to kind of claw back after, like you said, the rough spot that he's kind of been in recently, but that Red Bull car is pretty dang fast, so I feel like if he can just kind of string things together, he'll be fine. The other thing is, uh, so we mentioned at the top, we both like Austria. The atmosphere is very cool. Last year, there were several unfortunate things uh, caused by the, I won't even say the Austrian fan base. I think a lot of them are, are from the Netherlands, and they just drive down for the weekend uh, to support their, their guy, Max. But... Uh, they said last year the fans were essentially running rampant, vandalizing, causing like, hurling obscenities at people. Yeah. Uh, and it was a very bad look. There was TikToks coming out last year, actually, after the race of like drunk fans, like running out of the stadium with like Rolex ads. <laughs> Just whatever they could carry. It was a free for all. Yeah. I'd seen I'd seen some TikToks myself about some fans that were throwing some cans and stuff out onto the track. And granted, the rest of the fans got upset with the guy, but you, there's that happening out there, and there's no way he could be the only one. So they interview, of course, the two biggest name drivers in the sport right now, Max and Lewis. And Lewis is a man of the people, right? Like his fans are probably the most diehard of any fan group. And I think he also has still the most fans of any driver. Like there's no way he doesn't have the most fans. And so he comes out and he says, hey, I just want to encourage all the fans to go easy on the drinking and to be very respectful and to mind your boundaries and let's have a good race weekend. Like it's this whole long spiel about how to be a good fan. And then they interview Max and uh, Max simply says, don't get too drunk. Enjoy the race. <laughs> Words of a true champion. <laughs> and I. I and again, we talked about this a little bit before we started recording and Jeremiah said, yeah, he can't upset his fans right as much as he might want to denounce their actions he can't be like guys y'all can't do that because then they're going to turn on max <laughs> right right and he wants that cloud of orange smoke as he approaches turn three uh, you know he does okay which is that's that's still the coolest thing by the way just that orange smoke on the first lap it, I still think it's insanely dangerous, but it is pretty cool because you can't see. So whenever they have the the camera up on that hill where the Red Bull statue is, the giant bull, and you can't see more than one car at a time, and it just shoots out of the smoke at like 200 miles an hour. And 
to be a driver in that situation has to be frightening dude there's no way that i I mean that's basically spray like it's a rainy day and you're getting spray from the car in front of you you can't see anything all All right right. you want to get into i've got some news for you okay it's not really related to this race weekend specifically but it is some hitting f1 news that's going around for this week leading up into the race alpine has some new investors Oh, I forgot about this. Um, <laughs> among them, one of them, Ryan Reynolds. So, so get this. Together, the actual sum of money that they're going to be investing, 200 million euros. So this man is investing in a professional football for your European fans, soccer for us American fans, football team. And now he's like, you know what? I need more. So, so he went in with some guys and is investing 200 million euros into Alpine, I think for this next coming year, or it might even come into the effect before the year ends. But apparently this will bring Alpine's net worth as a team up to about 700 million. So looking pretty good for Alpine, I'd say. I do wonder, I guess you can spend that on facilities, but you can't directly spend that on the car because you have a cost cap. I don't know. So I, I remember hearing about how all the top teams like Red Bull, Ferrari, McLaren, Mercedes, they were all spending large, large sums of money to get their facilities up to code, up to standards to where they were absolutely perfect before the salary cap hit. So that leads me to believe that that is also inclusive in the salary cap for how much they're allowed to spend for a year. And if that's the case, that sucks. But if not, then that 700 million can be used greatly over at Alpine for their facility. There's got to be somewhere that else that you can spend your money that doesn't count at the cost cap because then no team could ever build a new facility. You would never be able to to fit it in, right? Yeah, you can you can spend it on catering. Oh no. <laughs> they ordered they ordered the raisin canes combo platter. Um I'm sorry, Red Bull. I, okay, so one, I like Ryan Reynolds. He's got a show on Hulu with Rob McElhenney. They own Wrexham. It's a really good show, really good insight. He's he's He generally has that idea of like, I'm going to hire the right people to run this, and then I'm just going to give money and, and support and all that, which right, is cool. So. And I don't blame him at all for getting in the sport, even if you were to invest in, in one of the poorer performing teams with the amount of money and fans coming to F1, you're going to return your investment tenfold in the next just couple of years. It does surprise me that he went in with a major company like Alpine Renault, which is huge. Like that's on the level of partnering with a Mercedes, a Ford, a Chevy. But see, if that if that was the case, then they would have been able to spend the kind of money that Ferrari and Red Bull and Mercedes were spending back before the that's cost true. cap happened. I don't that's think true. that Alpine is as big of a company. Think about it. Here in America, you go driving. You can go driving for five hours. I want you to tell me how many Renault cars you see. There's none. We don't have them in America, but still. I don't think they're as big. It's big in Europe, but I am surprised he didn't go with like, a, he could own Williams outright right now. He could own yeah. Williams. You know, Bring back the Williams family. He he couldn't buy out Haas from Gene Haas, but I guarantee you he could make Claire Williams an offer she would go for. Or maybe it would be, you know, Ryan Reynolds Sauber. Ryan Reynolds Alfa Romeo brought to you by Sauber. <laughs> He's got oh, his name dude. on the side of the car. <laughs> it's not not even, it's just his face. <laughs> it's like the uh the Panther or the Cougar from Talladega Nights. <laughs> The hood or of the maybe car. they'll just slap a Deadpool sticker on the side of it. Who knows? Oh my goodness. Okay. Well, cool. I mean, 
there's going to be a documentary about that outside of um, outside of Drive to Survive. He's absolutely going to use that for content, and I'm I'm here for it. I I want it. I want as much F1 content as possible. Okay, now let's talk who's winning this thing. First, let me gauge your thoughts on McLaren's upgrade package. Is that going to have any bearing on them finishing higher in the race? Yes. I don't think it brings them to the front runners yet. I don't think they're up there with McLaren, Aston Martin, or McLaren. I don't think they're up there with Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, or even Ferrari yet. I think this will bring the fight to Alpine more than we've seen. I think that it will separate them more from the teams like Alpha Tari and Alpha Romeo. I think we'll see a bigger jump there in kind of the gap between the two drivers and the rest of the drivers for the other teams. But I don't think it's going to bring them massive points yet. I don't think they're going to be finishing in the not the top six even. I mean, I would love to see them finishing now between seven and ten regularly, and that should be their focus for the rest of the year. So, I agree. We've always seen their – this year's a little different because Red Bull's running away with it, but typically it's like the top three teams, right, that are interchangeable. Right. And then four, five – sometimes six but usually four and five are their own thing six and seven are their own thing and then eight nine and ten are the bottom markers and for a long time we saw mclaren and alpine battling right for that fourth spot sometimes trying to battle for the third spot and this year we just have not seen that from mclaren so if they can get just if they can just get back into the fight with alpine you know that would show some signs of improvement because right now they're down with the bottom group now, granted, that's no longer the fight for the fourth spot. That's now the fight for the fifth spot as yeah, Aston well, Martin has made yeah. their jump. But Welcome Aston Martin to the party. But they need to be at least battling their previous rivals, Alpine. Minimum. Minimum. I'll say on the Ferrari side of things, obviously we have no, we have no bearing for how these upgrade packages are going to do. They could add zero performance. They could add a ton of performance. You never know until we get to see them on track. I think what Ferrari needs to see out of any major upgrade package, which this is considered to be, they've got to have a guy in the top three of every single race. There's no getting around it. Yeah, if they want to pull themselves out of the dump that they've built for themselves right now, probably. If they want to have a shot against Aston Martin, because remember, Aston Martin is a man down, essentially. Not really, but essentially. (laughs) So, yeah, they got to bring the fight. If Fernando or Lewis is constantly getting second and third Ferrari needs to be kicking one of them out every single race and replacing them in that top three. If they don't get that this weekend and going forward, it's going to continue to be a very poor result for Ferrari. I would like to see it from Carlos just because we haven't really seen, we've seen great, amazing pace from Charles, but the, the consistency is not there for my personal taste for a front running team. If you put him in like a, I don't know, McLaren or an Alpine, we'd see some great things every now and then from him, but they need consistency. They need a driver who's going to put it in those top places regularly. And Carlos might not have the exact same pace as Charles on Charles's good days, but he is consistently putting in one of the faster paces on the track. So looking at the standings, Carlos has only failed to get points in one race. Charles has failed to get points in three races. And you have to remember that one of those races that Carlos didn't get those points was that bogus five second penalty that dropped him like 12 places or something. Not a bogus penalty, but horribly applied penalty. Yeah. Harsh, harsh, very harsh. 
yeah, as they did, a, they proceeded to do a formation lap to end the race and had everybody within half a second of each other. So his five second penalty dropped him 10 spots. Gosh, that was brutal. OK, uh, I will say you want to give podiums. Yeah, what you got? OK, Max is going to win the thing. Sure. Sergio is still in second place right now. I made a Reddit post a couple weeks ago that people had really good insight on. I said, who's going to get second place? Is it going to be Fernando? Is it going to be Lewis? You know, who's the battle for second with? And I didn't bring up Sergio because I really don't see Sergio holding on to second place. He started out hot and he's just fallen down. So I'm not considering him on the podium for this race. He could win the thing. Don't get me wrong. (laughs) The race at least. But it's just tough to predict that right now. I'm going to say this is going to be a very good day for Mr. George Russell. I'm going to put George Russell second. We've seen Mercedes do very well, but who have we always seen do at Mercedes? The second driver. And then I'm going to say this is a good day for Fernando where he finishes third. Okay. Okay. I disagree. But that's some good standings. You know... I had Hamilton in third for a while here, but kind of thinking about it, how bad he's recently been around Austria, I would, I would be more inclined to lean towards George Russell getting, getting that McLaren podium spot. I can see that for sure, but I don't have them finishing second. I've got, I'll take Russell and put him in third uh, to replace my previous pick of Hamilton, because I, I do agree with that. Hamilton has had some serious problems around here. So I could definitely see. And George George has been forgotten about almost to a sense to where people aren't talking about him in that fight. He doesn't like that. So he's going to do everything he can to get in front of Hamilton and get that podium spot at least. This is where it gets different. Coming in at number two, I've got Max Verstappen. Hear me out. Oh, my gosh. Hear me out. So I've got Alonzo winning the whole thing. But I'll tell you why. At the end of the previous race, we saw Alonzo starting to catch Max Verstappen, actually catch him. And we saw Max have problems with tires at the previous race. So coming to this race where last season he also had tire problems, I can see him having those same tire problems for this Austria race for 2023. What does that mean for Fernando Alonso? Because last race he had a problem where he had to lift and coast for multiple parts of that race. But if he doesn't have to do that this year and he can just push, I see I see Fernando giving Max that gap and battling with whoever's behind him and kind of doing his thing for the first however many laps. I'd say about 15 or 12, maybe maybe even 10, probably around 12 though. Lap 12 laps before the end of the race, I see Fernando giving an all-out push, chasing Max with everything he has and maybe just maybe taking this thing home. Okay, I want to go back to Alonso for a second. <clears throat> So to give some credibility to your insane statement that Max (laughs) doesn't win one of his home three races. Last year in an Alpine, he got 10th. Okay. The year before that, 10th. Now you go back to when he was in a McLaren seat in 2018, 2017, 2017, he retired, but 2018, he got eighth. So he's got decent Austria performances in subpar cars compared to what exactly. he has now. Does that result in an average of nine or 10 place jumps? I don't know. Um, like I said, I, I put him at third just because I think George is going to have a day. If you remember back to last year, George got fourth. 
I think we're seeing some really good things out of him. Uh, but he he could win the thing. I just think I think Max is going to win by fifty something seconds. I mean, I don't really, know. I, I don't. I really do. I genuinely think that the days of Red Bull getting those 30, 40, 50 second gaps are kind of coming to an end. They might get up to the 20s still. I'll give them that. But I think the days of them having those unnecessary half of a half of a full minute just gap. I don't think that happens anymore. I think the rest of the cars are starting to make their way up and catch that pace. I do think Lance Stroll finishes behind both Ferraris. Uh, I'll say that we're not seeing any improvement out of the guy. started off the year i'll say hot he had like one decent race where he got like six and then then it kind of petered off. i'm I'm trying to give him credit like i know i hear you we're we're trying but it's really hard when you don't have the results he's he's still an eighth in the driver standings just from his first like couple of races um outside of that it's really hard to predict the rest of the field you know how alpine's gonna do how Alfa Romeo is going to do. I don't think anybody really has a surprise finish here. I think it's going to be the the same chalk that we've seen the whole rest of the year with Red Bull, Mercedes, Aston Martin, Ferrari, and sure. and somebody somebody will pop into the top ten, you know, top eight that you weren't expecting. This could be the race where a new number two is determined, as currently Sergio Perez sits at 126 points and Fernando Alonso is at 120 or sorry 117 points and is a nine point difference so if he doesn't get the job done in this race and at least keep that gap to some degree in the car that's drastically faster if if uh let's see if Sergio finishes outside of the top five or six and Alonso finishes in the top two I think it switches I think this is going to be an interesting race. I think it's going to be a decider for a couple of things. One, it's going to allow us to see how those teams are going to respond to having such little amount of time on that actual track with the new upgrades that they're bringing. So this is going to be completely random in that aspect alone. I don't think one practice session is enough to tell us anything. So I don't think they're even going to know anything. I think it's going to be exciting. I think we're going to see some things we might not have seen. I think possibly we'll see another Williams in the top 10. That's great. That'd be great to see. I think... I don't know, Valtteri Bottas, since he's had such a great credit here at this track, I think we could see him in the top 10 again. I would like to see the McLarens fighting for the top 10 spots. Um, Alpine hopefully will be there. I'd like to see Pierre Gasly climb out of this little hole that he's been in. Uh, Valtteri got 11th last year in his Alfa Romeo, which, hey, top top 12 finish in the Alfa is not bad. That's fine, I think. Um, but yeah, it would be cool to see him get points. I will also say I'm doing, sorry, I'm looking at the standings. Lewis could also pass Sergio if Lewis Hamilton wins and Sergio Perez doesn't get a point. Oh, okay. Or sorry, Lewis could win and Sergio could get like 10th. Okay. I don't think that's going to happen. I think Sergio is going to get some points. (laughs) I don't think Lewis is going to win. Yeah, but it's there. I mean, storylines like this, we we just got done talking about the 2010 F1 season, and that was decided at one final race at the end of the whole thing. So we can see some magic. I don't know. It can happen. Storylines are like this happen in F1. What I would like to review post this race, and maybe we do this on, on um, the race recap even, how does the qualifying for the race compare to the sprint shootout? And what are the teams allowed to change? Because I don't think right now we have a really good grasp of how Park Ferme works under the sprint weekend. 
No. And so we were under the impression that they could make changes after qualifying. I don't know if that's true. It's kind of it, this kind of where it gets weird because in previous sprint races, we had practice to happen before the sprint race. So we didn't know what that exactly meant for qualifying in par ferme. So even now adding this sprint shootout, it almost kind of draws a bigger blank from both of us. Maybe it's something that we should spend some time doing some research on and maybe have an episode where we can explain things a little bit. But I'm not really sure how that structure works at all. But it's what I'm, it, yeah, you're, you're hundred percent right. Cause like, is the car locked away? Like it normally is. Can you change it? Which they have to be able to change something. Cause like the conditions are going to be drastically different. The races, they're going to qualify on Friday evening. Right. And then they're going to qualify again on Saturday morning. A sane, a sane person would say the results should be very similar. I bet the results are drastically different and I don't know why. I don't either. Uh, I guess they can make small changes. Like I know that there's been talks where they can like decrease tire pressure and on certain sides or in the back and the fronts to add for different kind of effects. I don't know the full semantics of it. I would like to know, but I don't know. Like you said, this is going to be kind of wild to see how everything kind of plays out. Okay. That's the preview for the 2023 Austrian Grand Prix. If you have any thoughts on the race, let us know in the comments and we'll see how everything unfolds on Sunday. And then certainly be sure to tune in Monday to our race recap when we dive into how Yuki Sonoda wins the race. Okay, <laughs> I hope so. That would be a story that I would love to talk about. Guys, comment down below. We're not getting enough of that. We need feedback. We need stories. We need stuff that we could possibly bring up in future episodes or maybe just feedback on how we're doing. <laughs> let us know down below. Awesome. Thanks, guys. Bye, guys.